The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. 1 Samuel chapter 23, this message this morning is sort of a challenge, especially to the graduating class of 23. You're getting just a few weeks, you're going to graduate, walk across the stage, and head off to where the Lord has you next in life. And so I pray you'll um, put your phones away and put your study papers away and listen to what the Lord may have for you this morning. But it's a challenge to all of us, uh, to each class represented here this morning. 1 Samuel 23 brings us into the life of David. Uh, David is on the run. David has been, as you and I know, anointed to be the next king of Israel. He has killed Goliath. He has slain his ten thousands. Saul, King Saul, has attempted to kill David. Uh, and so David's on the run. And really, David's kind of doing what David wants to do. And he's not making the best decisions. You get to 1 Samuel chapter 22. David finds himself in the cave of Dulam. He begins to... Really, in that chapter, as you read through chapter 22, David just kind of turns his life over uh, to the Lord and says, basically, you know, well, I'll do as you would have me to do. He kind of came to the place where he quit trusting himself and decided he would let the Lord have control of his life. And for you and I here this morning, you know, I pray all of you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I pray you have not come through the whole year or come through this semester, came through Bible conference and have not come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But there's so much more to the Christian life once we're saved. And sad to say, many saved people miss out on the many blessings that come from being saved. I think once you're saved, there comes a point in your life where you realize not only do you need life, eternal life, salvation, but you want life more abundant. And I'm thankful this morning that Jesus Christ has both for you and I. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come. They might have life and they might have it abundantly. So listen carefully this morning. If you're not enjoying being saved this morning, is it, it is because you have Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ doesn't have you. It's not because you don't have the Lord. It's not because you don't know the Lord. It's because you haven't given yourself to the Lord for his control. We find in David's life, he's come to that point in that cave where he turned things over to God. And that makes chapter 23 a very interesting chapter as we read through it this morning and pull out just a couple thoughts I pray will be an encouragement and help to you. So let's pray and we'll come back and get into chapter 23. Lord, again, we come before you this morning. Thank for the opportunity to gather together. Uh, For this hour, I pray, Lord, this morning as we open the Word of God and we look at this, uh, Lord, I know there are many here who are are needy and who are looking and, Lord, who are listening and and want to hear from you this morning. I pray that you bless that obedience, that desire in their life. I pray all of us, Lord, would set aside whatever is troublesome, whatever is occupying our mind. Lord, help us to focus and hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 23, I want you to begin to see a difference in David's life. Verse 1 says, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilo, and they rob the threshing floors. 
Now look at verse 2. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? It's interesting, these men that are with David, they, the men fear, but thank God, David doesn't try and reason with them. David goes right back to God again. You don't find that previously in David's life until you get to this point. David goes to God in prayer. God, David goes to God in prayer. David goes to God in prayer. Prior to chapter 23, David's just on the run and David's doing what David wants to do. Even though we know he's anointed to be the next king of Israel, he's going to be the king. He was anointed to be that. But he's not living and acting as if he's going to be the next king of Israel. He's kind of has taken matters into his own hands. But in chapter 23, he turns matters over into the Lord's hand. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And we see that taking place in chapter 23. Verse 4, then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thy hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him to my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war, to go down to Keilah, to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abathar the priest, bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah and to destroy the city for my sake. So here we find David is praying again in this verse. That makes three times already in this chapter that David has gone to God in prayer. Pick up in verse 11. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant, and the Lord said, he will come down. Then said David, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah. And he forbore to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds that remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And notice this last sentence. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And Saul sought him every day. Saul wanted to kill David. He pursued David. He was after David. I want you to understand this morning, this is the challenge class of 23, 24, 25, 26, maybe 27, I don't know. Here's the challenge. Here's what you need to learn from Scripture this morning, is that every day your spiritual enemies are warring against you. Every day, 24-7, your spiritual enemies are warring against you. Too many of us live this Christian life and we're on cruise control. Oh, thank God I'm saved and going to heaven. Now I'm just going to do what I want to do. Or I'm just going to, I don't know what you think. But the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you stepped on the battlefield. You have an enemy and he is in hot pursuit of you each and every day. Listen, your spiritual enemies never take a vacation. They never take any time off. Saul sought him 
every day. Listen, Satan is always presenting temptation. He's always making his attacks. The flesh is always trying to lead you into sin. In the day that you say to yourself, whether verbally or in your mind, you say, hey, I'm going to take a day off from my Bible reading. Hey, I'm going to take a day off from my prayer time. Hey, I'm going to let my guard down and take off, and take off the whole armor of God today. I'm going to take a little spiritual vacation. That's the day the enemy gets you. That's the day your flesh will get you. That's the day temptation will get you. Listen, Saul never took a day off pursuing David. The devil never takes a day off in trying to harm you, hurt you, or ruin your testimony. Satan never pauses his efforts and his attempts to turn you away from the right road, the right direction. So what does that mean for you and I? That means that you and I have to be diligent and we have to be constant in our Christian walk and in our service and in our devotion to God. Because listen, I guarantee you the devil will be. Your flesh will be. You and I, each and every day, we must be diligent and we must be constant. The devil is always going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Always. Look at verse 15. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. Ziph means a refining place. Every day the world, the flesh, and the devil are waging war against you. And the reason so many of us have no victory in our Christian lives is that we wage spiritual warfare against them every now and then. We wage warfare when we get a little stirred up. We wage a little warfare when we feel convicted about something for a moment in time. And it's no wonder God's people spend a lot of time being defeated because we don't wage war each and every day against our spiritual enemies. We're not on guard. We don't guard our heart. We don't pay attention. We aren't constant. We aren't diligent. We don't take it seriously. And it's a serious matter. It's a ser- hey, it's serious enough that the devil pursues you and wants to ruin you. That ought to say something to you this morning. Why does he hate me so? Why does he want to ruin me? Because you and I are a light in a very dark world. He would love to put our light out. He'd love to ruin our testimony and make us ineffective for the cause of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The enemy is on the attack seven days a week, 365 days a year. And we get all fired up and fight back a couple weeks, every two or three months maybe. And we let our guard down. Now listen to me. You're not dumb and I'm not dumb. We live in the United States of America. And you don't have to look very far to realize this country is in a mess. Amen. Oh, he's going to say something that's awkward. No, it's called sin. It's called wickedness. It's the devil flaunting certain things in your face and mine. And we ought to stand up and say, listen, it's wrong. That's sin. Amen. He's a man. Got news for you. Amen. She's a woman. Oh, you start sweating now get nervous. How long are we going to stand around and let that nonsense and foolishness go on? You say, well, follow the passage. God's got an answer for you and I in regards to that. That's why we're losing ground in America, because we won't fight. That's why we're losing ground in our churches, because we won't stand. That's why we're losing ground in our families, because we won't stand. That's why we're losing ground in our personal life. See, our enemy is much more diligent than we are. 
24-7. Don't forget it. He's much more diligent than you and I are. We've got to be so careful. We've got to pray through matters. We've got to seek the Lord's will. Get in the book. Let the book get in you. Lord, am I making the right decisions? Am I heading in the right direction? Is this the best decision for my family? Is this the church I need to attend? Get in the book. He's much more diligent than we are. 1 Samuel 23, 14, we find David is seeking God's will. He's praying to God. He's asking God, should I do this? And should I go here? And should I stay? Or should I go? And you find all this, but it's interesting. You go to 1 Samuel 27, and I have a message in 1 Samuel 27. It's entitled, What in the World Happened to David? 1 Samuel chapter 27, look at, uh, you don't have to turn there, but verse 4 says this, and it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, down to the land of the Philistines. And it says, and he sought no more again for him. Saul sought no more again for him. See, David in chapter 27 is now backslidden. David's now back to doing what David does, scheming and trying to figure things out. He's out of the will of God. And listen, Saul is no longer bothering him. And when you're out of the will of God, Satan won't bother you because you're no threat. Stay, I encourage you this morning, stay in the center of God's will. Stay in the fight. Stay constant, stay diligent, stay in the book. Look at verse 16 of 1 Samuel 23. Let's look at another point. Verse 16, 17, and 18, it says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. Then that's true. What Jonathan just said is a true statement. Pay attention to what Jonathan is saying here. So Jonathan gets up, he goes, he finds where David is. You know the friendship of Jonathan and David. It's a very tight friendship. Jonathan comes, he's encouraging David with a fear not. So he comes to him, he says, fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. That is true. And thou shalt be king over Israel. That is true. And I shall be next unto thee. No, he won't. And pay close attention. Jonathan comes out and he says, listen, fear not. My dad's not going to get you. He's not going to kill you. That's not going to happen. Number two, you're going to be the king of Israel. Amen. That's true. He goes, and I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to rule and reign with you. No, you're not. The question you have to ask yourself is, why? Why wasn't that statement true for Jonathan? And thou shalt be king over Israel. True. And I shall be next unto thee. False. And that also Saul my father knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord. Now listen. And David abode in the wood. And Jonathan went to his house. Hmm. Interesting. Now you and I know that Jonathan... He was a man of faith. He was a man of courage. He was a fighter. He was a warrior. 1 Samuel 14 gives a great account of Jonathan and his armor bearer. 1 Samuel 14 verse 1 says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. They told not his father. Verse 14 And that first slaughter, this Jonathan and his armor bearer, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men. Within, as it were, half an acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. So we know, I'm not questioning Jonathan's ability to war, to fight, to battle, kill. He is a man's man. But he arises, he goes to David. He says, listen, my father's not going to get you. You're going to be king. And I'm going to rule and reign with you. 
two of the three statements are true. And then at the end, it says that Jonathan, David stayed in the wood. Jonathan went back to his house. Interesting. See, in that passage, in that moment in time, as they're talking, Jonathan, it was a real moment of decision for Jonathan. And for those of you that are graduating, you're about to have some real moments of decisions. You're about to cross the stage and you're stepping off into wherever the Lord has you going next. And you're going to have to make some real decisions, some tough decisions, some hard decisions. I pray you make the right ones. Today is a real moment of decision for you. Listen, Jonathan's heart is torn between his family ties and his love for David. His heart is torn between his devotion, listen, to a safe, careful upbringing and an insane risk, risking everything to follow God. Jonathan has a decision to make. There's no question that Jonathan loves David. There's no question that Jonathan believes the promises and the word of God concerning David. The only question is, will Jonathan leave his dad? Will Jonathan leave the palace? Will he leave his earthly ties and relations and come out and be with David and those 600 men in the wilderness and stand, listen to me, and stand for what he believes? David, I believe that, God, that my father's not going to kill you. David, I believe you're going to be the next king of Israel. David, I'm going to rule and reign with you. Well, Jonathan, if you really believe that, where are you going to stand? Where are you going to stand? And I'm not saying it was an easy decision, and you and I understand those types of decisions and loyalty and the tearing of our heart and doing what God would have us do, but my family thinks this or so-and-so thinks that. Would Jonathan stand for what he believes in? His heart was torn. He strengthened David in the Lord. He reassured David with his word. He reminds him of a certain joy and glory of the kingdom. But if Jonathan, listen to me, but if Jonathan will not sit with David as an outcast, he will not sit with David when he's king. 2 Timothy 2, very interesting passage, a few verses in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 The Bible says this, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. That passage is referring to your salvation, your death, and God's reckoning took place at Calvary. You're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live, the Bible tells us in Galatians 2.20, because I'm dead with Christ, I shall live with Christ. But look at the next verse, 2 Timothy 2 verse 12 and verse 13 says, if we suffer, now listen to me, if we save people, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Jesus Christ can't say that he doesn't know you because he does know you. He can't refuse you access to heaven. He's already given you a place in heaven. Amen, praise God, and thank the Lord for that. We've got something, a great future ahead of us. But listen to me, just as with Jonathan, the reigning with Christ and that place of rule and exaltation in his kingdom is only available, listen to me, it's only available to those of us who stand with him now, who stand with him now. This whole idea, I'm saved and I'm just going to live my life as I see fit and then I'm going to rule and reign with Christ, not, not going to happen. You've got to make some decisions. Where are you going to stand? The way to heaven, thank God, is all of grace. It's all grace. No doubt about it. You and I know it. But the way to the throne, 
to works. Where are you going to stand? What are you going to do? Oh, I believe the book. Do you? You say that, but where do you stand with the book? Oh, I believe. Where are you standing? If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're dead with Christ, and you're risen with Christ, and you have eternal life. But if you stay in the relative comfort and safety of the world, loving God, but wanting to make sure it doesn't cost you anything, believing the truth, but unwilling to take a stand for the truth, it will not bar and keep you from heaven, thank the Lord, but it will cost you any place you might have had in the Lord's kingdom when he sets it up. So, wow, those are hard choices. Yes, they are. No one ever said life's easy. Endure hardness, the Bible says, as a good soul. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If America continues to go the way it's going, those choices will get harder and harder as the days go by. The point is coming where you can't be in neutral ground anymore, young, young people. What, 35, 4,000 students in here? You know what this nation needs? You know what our churches need? You know what the lost people of this country need? They need some people to make a stand. Stand on the truth of God's word. God's word's clear. And he made them male and female. And he finished creation, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Evolution is a hoax. It's a lie. Where will you stand, class of 23? Where will you stand, class of 24? Oh, we hear the Bible, we like the Bible, we carry the Bible, but will you stand on the Word of God? Oh, I believe, but where are you standing? The Christian life is not a life that's promised of comfort. It's uneasy at times being who we're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. Hey, it's not easy to be the unpopular opinion. It's not easy being the odd one in the crowd. But it's where we belong. It's the decision we need to make. I'll stand for Christ, period. I'll stand for what's right, period. What so-and-so said, so-and-so's delusional. So-and-so needs Christ. And you're not helping them by remaining silent. Choosing to stay in the palace, in the comfort of family and family ties. This is an important lesson here as we wrap up. And I need you to get it. I need you to understand it. I need you to think on it. I need you to go to lunch and talk about it. I need you to take it to the Lord in prayer. Listen, Jonathan said, my dad's not going to kill you. You're going to be the next king, and I'm going to rule with you. See you, David. He went back to comfort, security. He went back to a place where he thought he was safe. Listen to me. He thought he was safe. Now, if you know your Bible, you know the end of Jonathan. Jonathan ended up dying in battle, laying out there on that battlefield dead with his dad. David ended up on the throne. Jonathan said, I have to stay with Saul. I have to stay with my dad. It's safe there. He died with Saul. Had Jonathan come, had Jonathan taken a stand with David, he could have lived with David. Yes, he would have been on the run. Yes, his dad would have been trying to kill him, but he would have reigned with David. See, Jonathan tried to figure it out in his own mind, with his own understanding, according to his own sight. He said to himself, it's safer for me to be there with my dad. So he says, I'll stay here. And he died. 
He died where he thought he was safe. Jonathan would have lived where he thought he was in danger. Now, listen to me. He said, ah, it doesn't really matter. You're just the preacher. That's what you do. You say these things and petrify us and scare us. No, it's truth. It's the word of God. But understand that your decision, understand that Jonathan's decision had long-lasting ramifications. Many of you are obviously engaged. Some of you are getting married right after graduation, like day after, two days after, three days after. Diploma ring gone, amen? Hey, praise the Lord. That's the way it should be. Amen. Amen. But understand decisions we make not only affect us. The Lord should tarry and the Lord should bless you. You're going to have little ones running around. And then you'll appreciate your parents more. Amen. But the decisions you make affect your children. Jonathan said, I believe, I believe, I believe. Two out of the three, he died with his dad in the battlefield. But Jonathan had a wife and Jonathan had children. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 4, verse 4, understand that Jonathan's decision to stay where he thought he was safe crippled his children. 2 Samuel 4, 4, and Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was, na- that was lame, on his, lame of his feet. And he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel that they had died in battle. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith it is impossible to please God. Enoch pleased God. He walked with God by faith. Enoch did not see where he was going. Abraham left his home country and went out to a city. God said, I have a city for you, but he didn't know where it was, nor did he know what it looked like. But he just went off and went. God's not going to show you the future. But if, if, listen to me, but if he tells you in his word to come out from the world and to be separate, then you are safer in the place of obedience than anywhere else on the face of this earth. No matter how dangerous, absurd it may look, it's the place where you and I belong. Amen? Jonathan's decision, not only did he lose his life, but he crippled his children. See, this life is more than just you. He saved us. He's left us here to live a life that brings him honor and glory. And our decisions affect not only us, but those around us. It will affect our children, possibly our grandchildren. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Doing your God-given duty will result in your plans and deliberations, that's your thoughts, succeeding, being established. Fight the will of God. Mock the will of God. Laugh at the will of God. And you'll end up a loser, especially in eternity. For in this life you may think you're succeeding, but how sad to step out on the golden shore and realize you were a failure. To step out and not hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. One day Jesus Christ will rule over the nations from his throne at Jerusalem. And those that stood with him will reign with him. Where are you going to stand? 
Where are you going to stand? Where are you standing, class of 2023? Class of 2024? 2025? 2026? Where will you stand? Do you understand that this campus, this county, this state has yet to see what could happen if 4,000 young adults stood for Jesus Christ? Do you know what could happen in our churches across this land if we, this group, stood for Jesus Christ? You and I are bombarded 24-7, amen? Instagram, stories, I mean, I'm, I'm on there, I know. Takes up our time, doesn't it? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever sat down and said, I'm going to look at this for one minute, and two hours later, you're like, what happened? Oh, no, I have a quiz. It's over with. <laughs> Bad decision. Understand that the onslaught to occupy your time in your mind is not a mistake. It's an attack. It's a deliberate by the devil to prevent you and I from being what we ought to be in Christ. To keep us from standing as we ought to stand. Most of you right here this morning say, hey, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I believe the word of God. So did Jonathan. And I think Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to rule and reign. But Jonathan chose the safety of the palace instead of making a stand with David in the wilderness of Ziph. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to get you worked up. I'm asking you to think this morning. This life we live in Christ is real. The battle is real. Eternity is real. And many will die and go to hell because we chose to stand in relative safety. We chose not to let our light shine. We chose to live my life. I graduated from college, was headed to law school. The Lord put a burden on my heart that I couldn't shake that I ought to go teach at a Christian school. But I didn't want to do that because I would be poor. And my desire was to be rich. I wanted to have money and land and I had plans and goals, but I couldn't get away from the nagging, you ought to go take that job. What is everybody going to think? I'm supposed to go to law school. What am I, what, what, what? And then I found myself at Dr. Stewart's office saying, I'll take the job. I'll take the job. $10,000 a year. And I'll just do it for a year and then I'll pick up my life and go on. Three weeks in, I said, all right, Lord, I'm in. I'm in. It was the best decision I ever made. I'm in, Lord. This is what you want me to do. From there, I came here, got a master's. I met my wife. Amen. That was really good. Now we're almost 29 years later. It was a hard decision. When I told my dad, I said, Dad, I took the job at the school. He said, well, you're never going to be rich that way. And I was like, thanks, Dad. And then he called me a little later and he said, I'm sorry, son. That's what the Lord wants and we're all for it. There are hard decisions we have to make. Sometimes they don't make sense, but do what's right. Do what the Lord's leading you. Do what the Holy Spirit is saying. Don't ignore that tug in your heart. Don't ignore that. Listen, everybody else may not be on board for it. But if it's what the Word of God says, what the Holy Spirit says, then take that step. 
It had been a whole different story if Jonathan had stayed with David. He would have ruled and reigned with David. Where are you standing? Where are you standing? You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.